0: hello and welcome to another edition of the tigers down under i'm your host alex and with, with me i have mike how are you
1: mike hey alex yeah i'm doing well how about yourself
0: yeah not too bad not too bad a bit of a uh, a mixed week for city uh, to recap with this one um and then also a bit of a topsy-turvy roller coaster sort of experience at the moment with um the managerial search so we'll get into that a bit later as well but uh look may as well jump right into our first positive result in about five or six games I think with the win over Wigan uh last midweek on the Thursday morning um it all seemed pretty positive after that or, or during that really because we had Pedro Martin sitting in the stands we had come from behind victory over Wigan um you know Oscar getting back on the score sheet to maintain his spot at the top of the uh championship scoring charts and uh it's all unraveled a bit since then, but we'll, we'll focus on the positives first. How did you find that win against Wigan?
1: I was stoked for Dawson. I uh, I think he really needed that. I think we all needed it. Uh, obviously, we'll speak about the performance, but overall, I think we did all right. I think there are still a few things that we need to work on, uh, which were evident in the, the Huddersfield game. Uh, but yeah, as you said, you know, it was good to see Oscar getting back on the score sheet. And I think when that game finished, we were all right in the high uh, just to come crashing back down to reality for a little bit. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll speak about the the managerial uh, questions plaguing the club at the moment. Uh, and, it, and the fact that you mentioned that Pedro Martins was in, isn't in the box watching the game uh, is, is mind, mind blowing given the statements that came out after the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah. hundred um, percent. It's sort of a microcosm of our season. It's the, the excitement and the optimism and the hope, and then uh, the hope just killing you by a thousand cuts with all manner of uh, aspects to it. Um, I guess the other positive as well, so we'll, we'll go into the performance now then, I guess. Um, going 1-0 down, Will Keane, of course, scoring against City, couldn't score a goal while he was with us and, and of course, gets on the score sheet on his return against us. Um, but then sort of the positive manner of the response, um, Pelkas getting his first goal for the club, at the back post. I don't know if you saw. I think it was Ajun shared the uh, the Instagram uh, videos of Pelka scoring his first goal for us and his first goal for was it Pel- uh, Fenerbahce was um, where where he came from, and they were really really similar goals. They're both sort of back post headers, uh, which I thought was quite neat. Um, and then yeah, we already we touched on Oscar as well getting the goal, but positive to see Pelkis on the score sheet. Cynic um, getting it start as well looked pretty sharp as
1: well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you mentioned Will Keane scoring. It was almost a given. Uh, yeah. But I think there was a stat that he'd scored 49 goals since leaving us. Um, and, and you know, he he barely scored for us. I think he maybe got one yeah.
0: or two. <clears throat> yeah, I think he scored against, like, Burton or someone. Yeah. It's the and only one, I
1: think, yeah. bag 49 after leaving us, I mean, credit to him. The, the goal itself, it was a good header, uh, but Asgard shouldn't have had that much time. I think cynic. I think I think it's cynic and Pelcash just stand there while he just runs straight through, uh, and has too much time to pick out Keen. Uh, but yeah, look, Pelkas making that run to the back post. Beautiful run. I think Coyle's ball can't be ignored. It was an yeah. incredible, inc- incredible pick out because you could see him looking towards that back post. Uh, and our deliveries from corners overall in the in the game looked really good. I I thought we were going to score uh, from a corner, and, and I mean we did. Elder had a delivery to Jones just before the the halftime break as well that that brought uh, a save from the keeper. Uh, so you know it was a it was a better display from set pieces. Defending them still a concern, and again yeah. that, that had us Huddersfield, yeah. So, it was a, a a very nice and fluid attacking performance. I think is probably the best way to to describe that.
0: Yeah, I'm surprised a, a little bit, and and uh, I mean, it was to a lesser extent against Huddersfield. We only had I think the one shot on target against them, um, but I was surprised at how much more confident we've looked going forward in these past two games than we had previously and, and i guess once we were down against Huddersfield we went into our shells a bit um, but we'll talk about that game more in detail later but in this game as well even going behind it didn't feel as if we sort of gave up on the game and and i suppose getting back into it reasonably soon after the um the opener from weekend probably helped that um, but as you say i think the delivery from set pieces was a whole lot better and yeah, it's it's the concern is I mean with the King goal as well it's the marking and and again it's set pieces it's the marking and defence and I just I don't know what the answer is I, I don't know if it's something that you could just say well we'll bring in a new manager and he'll just click his fingers and these players will suddenly know where to go and and what to do it just feels like whether it's you know we wanted um, we wanted Figueredo to be the one to come in and be that experienced body to to sort of teach these younger players where to where to stand, what to do, uh, how to defend. And he's basically the biggest culprit. And that's why he's now out at the side, but I just don't know what the answer is.
1: I, if I knew I, I'd be making a lot of call. Yeah, Uh, that's right. uh, I, I think it's, it's really hard because as you said, appointing a new manager is not the solution
0: to how we're defending.
1: I think appointing a manager is more of a a long-term play as to the direction and, and role that we play as a club. Um, the defending itself, it just seems like we're a second slower to every second ball and maybe our defense is kind of complacent. Uh, I think, you know, you said Figueredo was meant to be the the elder one to just come in and, and and tell us where to be positioned but I think we've also dismissed him pretty quick. I think him being on the the subs for now is probably a good thing because he knows that he has to put in more effort and, and the performances that, that he was providing, and they're just not good enough for, for our club. Yeah. So I think he'll probably come back from this once he gets his next chance and and be that strong defender we need. But I don't I don't know where the solution is. I definitely think set pieces and set piece marking and training is definitely the first place to start. In a terms yeah. of overplay, I, I I have no solution.
0: Yeah. Um and I guess other positives though um Tufan playing in that deeper role with um I guess it was Pelkas who was probably more in that number 10 role um looked quite good I thought he I thought when we first recruited him that was sort of the role he was going to play was that deeper role um and then clearly with Traore and others getting injured he's played that more advanced role to to sort of um step into that into that hole um, but I thought he looked quite assured in that role he was he was putting a lot of effort in I thought I th- I think he's an easy target when we're losing games or when we're not playing particularly well that it's a really lazy ironically it's a really lazy criticism of the side to just look at two Fan and say oh he's, he's lazy he's not putting the effort in but I think certainly in this game and and even even Huddersfield I thought I thought he played reasonably well I don't think you could really complain too much about his effort these past two games um, certainly I think it's a much better performance than I think was might have been the Swansea or the Stoke fixtures where he looked quite poor. Um, so I thought that was a big positive as well.
1: Yeah, and I, I, I keep seeing people continue to comment on his weight and I just don't think it's fair. Is that he might naturally be a bit of a stockier player, which is fine, but I think when he's got the ball and when he's in that uh, that kind of... It's not really a CDM role. It's more like a centimetre yeah. role, um, yeah. which... I mean, Doherty definitely plays that a bit a bit better um, with, with a bit more energy. But I think for what Tufan brings is completely different to what, like, Doherty would bring. And I think Fun brings a bit of composure and creativity, maybe less running back and yeah. forth. He's got the ball. I think most of the time we can be assured he's going to do something with it or pick someone out. And I think that was on display against Wigan. I, and I think that's it. I think, and, and talking about Doherty as well, who I thought
0: was really good off the bench, Doherty is more a ball carrier, whereas... Two fan or more spray a pass and and hit a target quite well. So Doherty's, yeah, definitely got more energy. But the, as you say, they're, they're different sorts of players. But yeah, Doherty, I thought, was also really positive
1: in this game. I feel like Doherty is your typical box-to-box midfielder. Just a lot of energy, a lot of power. Also, as we saw against Huds, has a shot uh, yeah. and, and can can really test the keeper. And I think he's just starting to build confidence now. And, I mean, when we, obviously we'll get to Hudson we'll talk about it. But I think he came off the bench and gave us the energy that we needed to see it off. I think the, the last five to ten minutes were still a bit shaky. And luckily we have Baxter uh, as, yeah. a, as a goalkeeper. Uh, but it was, I think, at any game when you're up 2-1, the last five to ten minutes are, are really crucial. And, and for us to hang on was really important.
0: Yeah, well, I was just going to say as well, yeah, that, that Baxter save right at the end to... Um to sort of secure the three points. It, it reminded me a little bit of um, the Norwich fixture where we got quite lucky, probably in the Norwich game with the, um, the Ramsey miss over the bar. Uh, fortunate in this game also because it was a really good save from Baxter. But it does remind us that it, it's not as simple as sort of saying, oh, well, we've got the three points, therefore we're playing well and tick the box and move on. It's, there is still a lot of things to work on and on a different day, a lot of these games could have gone a different way. We're not we're not comprehensively beating anyone, and as the Huddersfield fixture showed, um, we're not sort of out of that rut as easily as that. You know, it's not as if we've just sort of rearranged the team and, and suddenly it's all working well. Um, but yeah, that that great save from Baxter. I guess the last sort of touching on the um, rearranged formation. I thought Christie. We we'll talk about the Huddersfield game where it didn't work so well, but in this game, I thought Christie in that more advanced role was was really a positive. And you talked about the coil ball in um, for Pelkas before. I thought the fact that Christie was playing that more advanced role gave um, gave coil that space to to play that ball in.
1: Yeah, I think I'm not sure what Christie has played historically. I'm pretty sure it's just a right back, as opposed mm. to like a right right winger, which I think is he almost took up a longman position. Yeah, yeah, in, in that wigging game. And it served him well, I think. He gave Coyle someone to play off. And, you know, Coyle, like Christy ran around Coyle to set up the first goal and, and provide some space and time. Uh, I think he, he had a good game. Unfortunately, couldn't back it up, but it could have just been a fitness thing. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure that he played much football before coming to us.
0: No, because he was at Swansea last season and then I think he was just... Uh, basically, training on his own as a free agent over the summer. So yeah, yeah, so
1: I think it's a time thing as well for him, and and putting in performances like he did at Wigan will definitely get him the opportunities. I think uh, he'll most likely start against Brom, but um, yeah, it, it was it was the best I think I've seen him play you know in a long time.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Um, okay, so uh, MVP votes for this match.
1: Uh, did you want to go first? I agree with you. Uh, I'm going to agree with Coyle as as three. Uh, I think that delivery is is almost a, a surefire thing, but also he was instrumental in, in kind of clearing the ball at certain points and, and really getting in front of defenders. Uh, Oscar, I might interchange Oscar and Baxter. I'll put Baxter as second and Oscar as, as third. I think, yes, Oscar with the goal, but that's what he's there for. Uh, and yeah. and it's really good to to see him scoring off a set piece, and it was a great header as well. Great header, yeah. I don't know if you saw though, but Keane pulled his own player back. Oh really? Uh, so thank you, thank you, Keane. Yeah. Uh, and Baxter was uh, you know a, a very strong presence in goal, uh, and it it really took a lot from Wigan to to get that second goal, which they didn't end up getting.
0: Yeah, that. Yeah, so my vote, yeah, Coyle 3, Oscar 2, Baxter 1, um, same as you, just different order for Oscar and Baxter. But yeah, that goal was very reminiscent of Magennis's goals in uh, League 1 for us. We've sort of missed that stronger target man in the box. Um, and speaking of Magennis, just before we move on to the Huddersfield game, I forgot to mention this just before, but what did you make of the uh, exchange between Magennis and uh, Coil, where we sort of talked about, of course, Keane was going to get a goal, but... It seemed almost set up for um, Magennis to get a red card,
1: since that seems his um, specialty. It just seems like he likes a fight.
0: Yeah. Why fever.
1: I think it might just be the Northern Irish in him. Uh, yeah. It, it, I was very confused as to why he was being as rough as he, he was. I think that was more rough than he typically is. Um, and maybe he wanted to prove a point, but he didn't. And if yeah. anything him as a thug. And yeah. I think a lot of our fans took negatively to it.
0: Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, like, from, from from what the commentator was saying, I think he and Coyle are pretty good mates. So I think there's definitely also an element that the competitiveness in him, as well as playing people that he knew and wanting to prove, either prove that we were wrong to let him go or just purely to prove his ability, um, probably pushed him over the edge in that sense. I uh, I didn't hate it as much as some people did. It's just, it's who he is. Like, yes... You Know he's not normally that aggressive, but he, he has had the odd red card in him. He's clearly someone that gets he sort of throws his weight around to to try and fire his side up. Um, but I, I also completely get why people didn't take too fondly to it. I think he got cheered before the game, and then obviously, then after that, was not as uh fondly received. But um, oh, hopefully, he and Coyle kissed and made up after the game. I'm sure they'll be fine. I hope so. <laughs> um well uh not such a good result against Huddersfield. We've also we've already started to allude to this a little bit talking through the Wigan game, but um I think it was just was it one change to the Wigan side? So Cynic came in, oh sorry, Cynic went out for Longman. Yeah. Um yeah. And I mean look, I I, I thought the first 20, 30 minutes we looked pretty good. I thought we were dominant on the ball, confident in our passing and and looking to get forward quite well. And then it was really just that unfortunate own goal that, that really sort of shook us, I guess. Um, I guess the contentious thing, we saw... I don't know if you saw Mitch got a bit of flack on uh, Twitter, um, friend of the show, Mitch, uh, for suggesting that Coyle was basically wrong to go for the the ball that ended up in the back of his own net. And I tend to agree with him, but I'd be curious on your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah. Uh, first, you said the, the 20 minutes. I think overall... It was a good performance, but a very frustrating one. I remember towards the, the last kind of 20, 30 minutes, everything we did just like rubbed me the wrong way. Uh, and it felt like nothing was working. But the first half, uh, and I think it's summed up with Longman's miss, uh, was actually a pretty good half. And we looked really good for the first 20 minutes. Uh, with Coil. I'm not sure what he was thinking, but it could have been miscommunication in the box. Mm. Uh, You can see Baxter dive for it. So I'd assumed he would have called mine uh, and then not sure. It could have just been the moment, but it wasn't a dangerous cross. It wasn't, there were no attackers anywhere around. There might've been someone behind Coil, but he would have had enough time to kind of see what's going on. Uh, So it may have just been one of those bad decisions, which every footballer is prone to making. I think we can't, Really have it in for him. I mean, he is the captain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's tried to clear the ball, and unfortunately, it's it's been it's a bullet header into the goal. Like, congratulations. if he's a striker, that's a great finish. Uh, it's basically the exact same goal Keane scored against us. Um, but I, I
0: mean, I mean, as you say, I mean Baxter or. Elder, I suppose, I'm trying to think, or maybe Graves or someone behind him who has a better view of how much of a dangerous ball that is because yeah. they'd have a better idea of actually who's attacking it from a Huddersfield perspective, should be communicating, should be yelling, yeah. leave it or or mine or whatever, just yeah. because Coyle has no idea. So as you say, I mean, it's not entirely his fault. It's, it's yeah. the, the entire you can defense. Really-
1: you can, if you watch it back, you can see Longman at the back post get really frustrated and throw his arms in the air, which makes me think something was called or something wasn't called. Uh, so it, whether it was something that was called and then ignored, mm. or there was no communication, and that causes him to be frustrated. Because if it's just an own goal, there's no reason for him to throw his arms up. So yeah. something was going on there that we couldn't hear or, or see. Uh, and, yeah, I think it's, it's a bit unfair uh, to, to put it all on coil. Unfortunately, at that point, that's when things started taking a bit of a turn in the game.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And uh, you touched on the Longman miss on halftime as well, but we're going to talk about players being turned on. I think it's a difficult one because I also tweeted out during the game that um, I think he's had a really terrible start to the season. And I think that's a very valid criticism of him. And I think there's a line to be drawn between saying he's playing poorly, he's out of form, he shouldn't be starting, which I think are all valid comments. And some of the abuse that he was getting in the stands. I mean, there was a chance supposedly of you're not fit to wear the shirt with his parents and his brother sitting in the stand with the away fans. And you just and I think his brother actually had to leave um to go to the bathroom or something like that just to kind of get away from the from the chance. But I think you, you gotta think like, yes, we're on a terrible run of form. Um it's, and it goes back to the comments about um Two as well and and calling him in lazy or unfit. I think there's a line to be drawn between valid criticism of a player's performance and just downright abuse. And I think definitely City fans probably crossed that, or definitely crossed that line uh, on the Sunday night. But putting that aside, uh, that miss from Longman was pretty poor. And, and what, what's your sort of take on on a, basically his start to the season and then his performance in this game?
1: Yeah, I think I think he had a really good end to last season. And mm. it, it, it's a bit—it's a shame to kind of see what's going on. I mean, we really don't, don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But from a pure football performance, and I think you said it to me just before we got on this, he puts the effort in, and there's no denying that he runs hard. You, we saw he made good runs in the Huddersfield game. I mean, like that one-on-one is a perfect example of him cutting yeah. in and and, and doesn't get that in. chance. Yeah, if he if he doesn't make the run, he doesn't get that chance. Yeah, exactly, and he's at the end of the day like he's not a striker he's he's a winger and for a winger you're not necessarily like yes you're expecting a few goals and yes he should have put that away but I think the abuse that that he's getting is not founded uh at the end of the day he's a person not just a footballer Uh, you don't treat your mates like that and we're fans right we're in the stands we're not performing week in week out we're not putting the work in I think it's really easy for us to get on the back of him yes he's getting paid for it but it's not fair like I said for two Uh and yes he's if he scores I think it's a completely different game if anything I actually think we go on to win that because it gives us a really good uh, start to the second half and end to the first but I think it should give him some confidence that he's getting into those positions and he just needs to work on the finishing, which isn't hard. It's, it comes down to training. Uh, And I kind of be sad to see him not get any more chances. Uh, That said, I'd probably take him out from the starting 11 for the next game and and put Cynic back in.
0: Um, Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think even his performance aside, I think after that sort of abuse or the, the chance, I think taking him out of the limelight probably makes sense.
1: I mean, it could do yeah. both. It could do either, right? It could yeah. it could make sense, or it could like show that the fans yeah. are kind of that 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 argument, uh, and it might give him a reason to be like, "Oh, is this place really for me?" Like at this yeah. point, I would be surprised if he heads off in in January or at the end of the year.
0: I, I had that thought and, and it was it was sort of um, when we were talking in the chat and it was funny because Mitch tweeted at almost the same time I made a similar comment in the chat about the fact that we've made 16 signings and we're still doing a Longman for Smith substitution late in the game. Uh, not to disparage either player, but more so to say we've brought in all of these players and we're still basically bringing on one player we had last season for another player that we had last season. And, you know, granted, we, we signed Longman permanently in January. Um but it says a bit for, I guess, the injury situation, but also the transfer approach. When you've got, um, I can't even remember his name now. The other, the, well, we, we've got um, the two Chelsea loanees, um, who's actually both names have now got v- Vale and Simmons, yeah, who aren't even making the bench. And you think, well, why are they? Why are they there? It's not as if, like, if we want to say, well, we're bringing Smith on because we have no other attacking options. Yeah. Vale's an attacking option, so unless he's injured, which I think. I think he did miss a game recently because of an injury, but um, whether he's still injured, I don't know. But uh, it, just, it just feels like uh, it's just such a strange approach to the transfers that we've made. And to follow your point, I do wonder if guys like Smith and Longman will actually end up leaving just because, you know, it, it's, that, it's that notion of needing to improve the squad, but at the same time we're sort of in a catch-22 because the players that we're trying to get to improve the squad aren't playing. Through injury or form or whatever, but it's just it's just such a weird one.
1: Yeah, I think if you look at the injuries we've got, I mean Tete's out. That's a striker yeah. for Smith. Saed Manesh is out. Uh, he can play winger. Uh, Treore hasn't. I don't even know what's the story with Treore. I think he's meant to be back in December or Jan. Yeah, uh, that's three attacking players who, if in form, replace Longman and Smith every day of the week uh and i feel Thaler bad as in- well sorry
0: seller as well i think he's yeah. back in training now
1: yeah yeah so that'll that'll be good to see and it, look that's why i say i wouldn't be surprised if they jump in jan one like they're putting a shift in i mean i'm not going to speak to smith but longman's putting a shift in being abused by the fans when he's the only like him and cynic are interchangeable for that position yeah. and it's only the two of them and i think it's 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 going to see players leave. Luckily, we've made signings that make sure that we have some depth in those positions if they're fit. But say the injury crisis continues and Longman goes, then we're in trouble. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and speaking of bad misses, sort of changing the subject slightly, but speaking of bad misses, um, Oscar missed a pretty big sitter in the second half himself. So, you know, he's not immune to it either. Um And as you say, with Tete out injured as well, he's another one where you know, touching touching wood, but he basically is our only fit striker. You know, of that, of that in that mould. Like we've got Smith, who can come on and play a very different sort of role as a striker. But it was really Oscar and Tete who were those sort of bigger, stronger hold up men. um, Whereas Smith's sort of that smaller, more agile
1: forward. If anything happens to Oscar, we're stuffed. Yeah, we're in big trouble. and I mean, It's an unfortunate miss. I think at the stage in the game, I'm not even really sure if it gets us much. I think it, we have... It was like, like 90th minute, wasn't it? Something yeah, like or yeah. like 80th or something. We yeah. had like a couple... I mean, there were six minutes of extra time. Yeah. Uh, so who knows? But he, given him and, and the fact that, you know, he scored, I think, eight for the season already and, and his top scorer, I think it should have been his ninth. Um, but yeah, look, if if hopefully Tete comes back soon, I'm, I'm unsure as to, to what's going on there. Uh, I think he's out for a while. I think uh, I have a feeling I saw something that he was out till January, but I could have imagined that. It was it was definitely pretty bad, though. It seems like we'll have a completely different side, different attacking side come the second half of this season, which I can't tell if is a good or bad thing.
0: Yeah. It's just going to be weird because I don't even know what that does for our January transfer plans because you can't even say, well, we need to improve here or
1: improve there because we don't know with half these players I think we can definitely say we need to improve our defense
0: yeah well well, speaking of um, my last point on the game was just the amount of grappling and basically fouling we were doing in the box that thankfully was not being awarded as penalties but it just worries me that it it seems as if Greaves and Jones both as culprits of this uh, over a number of games now the amount of and, and I think in this case the one that six in mind is actually Doherty as well. Um, The amount of, I I think he just basically tries to haul Rhodes over while he's bursting into the box to take a shot Um, where I just feel like we're just panicking. We just don't know how to defend where we're not able to stop the opposition. And so we're just trying to basically do whatever we can to stop them getting a shot away. And it just feels like, I think Graves spoke about it during the week as well. Just the amount of gold, we're conceding something like two goals a game, which is the worst in the, in the league. And, um, I've said it before, I'll say it again, my red flag before the season started was if we started conceding a whole bunch of goals because we were good last season because of how few goals we conceded. But now we're conceding two goals a game. We're not going to be scoring three goals a game to win these games as much as Ajun wants us to.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're averaging a goal a game and we're conceding two. And yeah. There are only two teams in the league that have conceded over 20 goals and it's us and Bristol. And like, you know, we've conceded 26 goals and I have a feeling most of them would have been from set pieces. You Like the hardest field game, and I mentioned it a little bit in, uh, in the Wigan recap, is that we just don't look confident defending a set piece. It's almost as if the defenders think this is going to go in or something is going to go wrong. Uh, it, the second goal should have been cleared multiple times. Uh, and we're just stood around watching. Christie doesn't make an effort, just kind of runs at yeah. the defender and, and turns away. Um, it's just not good enough. And when you've left coil against someone like Helic, who's probably like two heads taller than him, it's not the right defending. And I'm concerned every time we concede a corner that there's about to be a goal. And yeah, yeah. I, think, I think all of that can be worked on in training. And I think that might have been a potential disagreement between Asheron and uh, Schotter, because I think Schotter wanted to play attacking football. I think even Asher came out and said, we just can't defend. Or if you asked our players to park the bus and just defend, they couldn't. And I'm hoping that either Dawson or whoever decides to say they're not going to be a manager and then come in and be the manager makes a change in our defence.
0: Yeah, well, we'll talk about that, Manager Hunt, in a second. I'll i I'll give my votes and then get yours for this game. We'll move on to that. Um, I really struggled to to give votes for this one. So I basically went off individual actions that that um, that uh, stood out for me in the game. And I think so I gave three votes to Greaves for that last-ditch tackle towards the end of the game. Already 2-0 at that point. Not going to change the result, but... That's the sort of thing we saw from him a whole lot more last season and the season before, those sorts of great well-timed tackles to, to win the ball back. Um, so that was really positive. And he's been struggling for form the last month or so, which has coincided with our losing run. Um, so it'd be good to see if he can get back into a, a bit of form himself. Uh, two votes for Doherty. I thought, again, he was really good when he came on, really deserving of a start against Birmingham, which, which he'll now get with Slater's suspension. Um, so we'll see how he goes in that one. And, then like, I I gave one vote to Longman. I think partly sympathetic, partly, as as we sort of said, like the run to get into that position to have that chance in the first half, if he puts that away, we're saying that's a brilliant goal, you know, great effort to get in that position and to score it. And, yes, okay, he's missed it. So, it's you know, he's only getting one vote, not getting three votes. But um, the effort that he put in and um, the abuse that he copped was just really misaligned to me.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I'll... <clears throat> For that last-ditch effort, it was Jones that cleared it off the line. Uh, so I'm tempted to interchange Greaves with Jones. Uh, for num- I, I give Doherty two. And then I've given Seri one. Oh, yeah. Good job. Minus his constant playing on the edge of our 18-yard box. <laughs> he always brings some creativity, and I felt he consistently tried to play the ball forward. I mean, he was instrumental in passing it, I think through to Doherty, who then rebounded to Oscar for the miss. Uh, And whenever Seri had it, it just seemed like we were going to do something. And uh, I mean, when we get into the the Birmingham preview, I think I definitely put Seri in, um, in the 11. But yeah, Sari gets my one.
0: Fair enough. Um, Yeah, so then the manager. So uh, obviously the news that, Uh, Shot had been sacked eight hours before the Luton game, gave Dawson that fixture, and then he also got the midweek game against Wigan. But when we recorded our last episode, we were expecting that the manager would basically be appointed shortly after the Wigan game to be in charge for Huddersfield. And I suspect, well, that was clearly the plan with uh, Martins in the stand with Jun for the Wigan game. We won the game, you think. You know, I think, I think I said it in the chat, you know, as a manager, surely if you're going to enter negotiations to take over at a club, you ask probably three main questions. You ask, you know, how much are you going to pay me? Can I bring my staff with me? And um, what's my, what was the th- Oh, how long is the contract? Probably the three things that you would ask before you even sort of entertain it as a serious offer. Clearly, ajun has said the right things to Martins by that point, presuming those are the questions he's asked and he's come across, got his photos taken, watched the game, and then something's happened to break down negotiations. And I just think, granted, there, there is now the news today that um, I think he might be interested in the Wolves job, so maybe that sort of tempted him away. But you have to wonder, like as you were saying earlier in the episode, you have to wonder, to be so publicly courted by City, to be photographed with City only for it to break down, it just comes across really weird, really weird episode.
1: Yeah, it does, and and whether it's a publicity stunt from Martin's to get his name out there and get picked up by another club, who knows? I'm I'm not going to say that that was his intention, but it it may have worked. It's a good idea. I just don't know what's happening, and I think no matter how many articles we read or how how many Twitter posts we read from from Baz or whoever it is, we just don't know, and I yep. think hopefully we know soon. And I think the the post from Ashton's saying, you know, it's a long-term play and, and we believe in Dawson. Uh, as much as I love Dawson, and look, he's a club legend, I just don't, and I think I said this to you as well, he's not the person that's potentially going to get us to the playoff places. He's an interim manager that will hopefully stabilise where we're at, but I, I just want to see some concrete news about someone being interested. I think you said Carver Howe might be re-emerging. Uh, not sure what the news is around that,
0: but I, yeah, I'm dead. personally not
1: trying to buy into any of this, any of the rumors. I think I said this with our summer, tra- our, uh, our August transfers is that when it happens, it happens. I'm not wasting energy trying to predict who the next manager is because it you just lose out on the information each day, everything changes too quick,
0: yeah. And they're probably the the. Strangest, or the most interesting element of it is that after those initial sort of that rush of information about Carvajal and Martins and a few other names and then closing in on Martins and then him saying no it's all gone quite quiet so I wonder if that's a you sort of saying right well I've got to do this sort of a bit quieter now behind the scenes I don't want to kind of have egg on my face again that someone else has turned me down so he's doing a bit more subtly this time but it does seem to have gone quite quiet um which no doubt means I mean Dawson will ninety-nine percent be in charge for the Birmingham games, so we just have to focus on him. But as you say, it's that uncertainty and not knowing. Um, I think I said last week, it feels like this is the first time since Bruce walked away where we didn't really have a manager in place or know who our manager was going to be, because Silver was basically Phelan was sacked and Phel- and silver came in within days. When Silver left Granted, there was a little bit of uncertainty, but there was no games. And then we got Slutsky in and then Slutsky was Adkins quite quickly. And then Adkins left. And, you know, it was it was all there was there was no sort of period of league fixtures where we just basically didn't know what was going to happen or what the plan was. So this is the first time basically since um, since Phelan was caretaker
1: before he was made permanent that we just have no idea of what's going to happen. But is it, is it a theme in the championship at the moment? I mean, Bruce was sacked as well, and I'm not sure if they have a replacement or if they've yeah. already made this.
0: Yeah. I, well, so what? So Middlesbrough were first linked to Edwards and um, uh, I forget who the other one was that they were linked to. I think it was Edwards and um, oh, I can't remember now, but now they're looking at Carrick. And as you said, maybe it is a thing, maybe maybe it's, I mean, nine managerial sackings in the championship and we're not even at Christmas is crazy. Like last year, I think the eighth manager sacked in the championship was McCann and he was sacked sort of end of January. So it almost feels like there's a lot of teams down the bottom that have very ambitious owners, Middlesbrough, West Brom and ourselves amongst others. Uh, who are basically reacting to other clubs making moves and saying, well, we need to make a move as well.
1: Yeah, it seems like the moves are being made without the thought of, all right, yeah. who's going to win? And, and like, it's fine to make a change, but just have something planned. And it seems like we're doing the planning after we've made the change. So I'm almost... I'm not going to say we should have kept Shutter around for a while, but we could have kept him around until we had someone in place.
0: Which is yeah, which is why I just find it so strange that he was sacked at the end of an international break, where you think that's a perfect two-week window, to sack him at the start of the window, at the at the start of the break, find your manager, court your manager over the next sort of six or seven days, get him in place, and then he has a week to prepare for the next fixture. So, yeah, uh, yeah that's a weird one. Um, but I guess we'll see. We'll see what happens. Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's move on then. We'll do our Who Am I game, and then we'll preview the Birmingham fixture. You, you've done one of these before, haven't you? I have, yeah. Yeah, okay. Well, that's how you cool
1: go. What's that? I think mine was Klukas last time.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, last week, Dan got El Mahamadi, and it was the first time we've had a guess, a correct guess, after just the first clue, because he has, like, 190 appearances or something. So it was like, oh, it's basically I'm not basically <laughs> We'll see. We'll see. Uh, So the first clue is I made 114 league appearances for City, scoring 10 goals.
1: Hmm. It's a lot of appearances.
0: So I'd say that's, what would you say, probably three or four years worth of appearances? Quinn? Not a bad guess. It's not Quinn, but not a bad guess, right? Error. That's a hint. Um, I first joined City on loan in twenty eleven, before returning on loan in twenty twelve, and then finally signed permanently in twenty thirteen. I departed City in twenty fifteen, signing for Norwich. Brady. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Very certain. And yes, it was Brady. Well, just the Norwich clue.
1: No. Um, it was the, just the multiple uh, loans. Yeah.
0: I thought I thought um, Chester was the other one that it could have. I think Chester had multiple loans as well, so that's why. And scored ten. Sorry. Oh,
1: yeah,
0: yeah. True. Nah, good shout. Yeah, yeah. Brady. Um, Nice, nice, and uh, nice and snappy on that one. Uh, Cool.
1: Went out from United, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was what Chester, Brady, Dudgeon, and it was a oh Cameron Stewart. were all loaned in from United, and then. Most of those turned out all right, or half of those yeah. turned out all right. Uh, cool. Okay, well, so just before we preview the Birmingham game, everyone listening or watching along, um, always appreciate the views and the support. Uh, if you haven't already, if you could hit like on the video, um, subscribe to the channel as well. We're really close to 150 subscribers as well, so that would be awesome to hit that number. Uh, and then just leave your comments as well on, on what you thought of these fixtures. Always appreciate the uh, the feedback. Uh, Cool. Okay. Well, so the Birmingham fixture. So we've got them this weekend. Um, I think our next game's next Thursday. So we'll get another episode done before that game. Um, But they're managed by John Eustace, who took over in the summer. It's a bit of a weird situation because I think he took over and then almost immediately there was talk of a takeover. And they said if they do, well, when they finalise that takeover, he'd probably make way. Uh, So he was almost, I think it was at one point he was almost sacked before he'd even taken charge of a game. Um, but he's doing a reasonable job with them. I think they've got something like, where is it, two wins? Well, two wins in their last five, but they're sort of mid-table when everyone was sort of expecting them to be sort of rooted to the bottom of the table given the state of the club at the moment. Um, But, yeah, they seem to be travelling pretty well. They've signed, um, talking about United, they signed Chong from United who was on loan there last season, seemed a pretty decent signing for them, and he's, he's sort of... I mean, a mainstay in their side at the moment and, and really a contributing factor to their form. Um, It's it's an interesting game. I sort of view it in the same bracket as those Wigan and Huddersfield games where it's, it's not a must win, but I mean, most games are becoming must win to an extent at the moment um, just to sort of start moving up the table. But how do you sort of view this game and our chances?
1: I think it's a pretty big game. Yeah. Uh- mm. And it, it's one of those, I'm always going to call it a six-pointer. Like they're only two points ahead of mm-hmm. us at the moment, and they're probably a team that we're going to be in and around the rest of the season. Uh, you say Chong, he got two assists in their last game, which was yeah. a 3-0 win, which which is pretty decent. And he's also pretty young. Uh, so still a long, long career ahead for him. Uh, I mean, they beat Bristol, who are the second most, like, who's the team that's conceded the second most amount of goals. So, if that's anything to go by, I'm a little bit worried. Um, I'm not sure if we're at home or away. I think we might be away.
0: Uh, yeah, I think we might be. I think we might be. I'll have a look. No, we're um, at home. We're at home. All right.
1: um, so, yeah, Monday
0: morning as well. It's a pretty yeah, disgusting time, time slot. Terrible uh, time.
1: I'm oddly confident, but knowing me, we're going to lose. So, everyone can put your money on that. Um, I'm... I'm wanting to make some changes. I think I would put Seri in for Tufan. Yeah. I put, I mean, Doherty has to start for Slater. I was kind of surprised by Woods as well when he came on. I mean, the triple sub didn't work, but I think it gave those three players a a run out and to just kind of see what they are. And I think Woods was almost Doherty-esque. He was consistently running from defense forward and, and trying to get the ball. Um, And I think I'd put Cynic back in, or I'd put Longman on the right and Cynic on the left, and have Oscar up front. So take Christie off. Yeah, Uh, he seemed a bit tired. Like in the in the Huddersfield game for that first goal, he gets a toe in, but then stops running when he loses it. And yeah, I mean, yeah, I I mean that
0: first goal was basically Christie.
1: Yeah, I think he just needs a rest. That's all. Uh, And I think Longman has a point to prove. So even if You just make that switch. Uh, But I think Cynic is really crucial. I think we saw it in the first half in the weekend game. He's got a good cross on him. And I think we we need to give Oscar the service that he needs. Uh, So I reckon reckon we win. I still think we concede. I don't think we keep a clean sheet. Uh, But I think we win.
0: Because I guess, yeah. Yeah, it's a tough one. I think... I think I'd be confident that we can get the win at home. I think Dawson has them set up pretty well. Um, and really, you look at the Huddersfield result and even Luton, both other the fixtures that we've lost under Dawson, where you can make a case for us being really unlucky to lose the games in the manner we did, where you look at the Luton... Well, I mean, both Luton and Huddersfield, those own goals. Uh, the Luton one, probably a bit more unfortunate than the Huddersfield one. Um, but both games that we could have had a chance in, you know, Slater having the big chance against Luton, the big chance for Longman and Oscar against Huddersfield. Um, I don't think we're playing as badly. Ironically, we're not playing as badly as the results suggest, whereas it was probably the opposite early in the season under Schotter. Um, so I do give us a decent chance in this. The Birmingham aren't in amazing form um, over the – well, I, I did just say that they're in decent form, but, they, they, you know, two wins in five um, means that they're gettable. Um, And I think they haven't won in six against us. You do mention there, though, of course, the fact that you're previewing this episode means that we probably won't win. I I will point out, though, I mean, if you look back over your record on the podcast, the first two were the the most disastrous because, of course, you previewed the uh, infamous 8-0 loss to Wigan um, and then the 4-1 loss to Fleetwood as our first loss in League One. But since then, I mean, we we have actually had you on to preview a Birmingham game previously, which ended up 0-0. Um, and then most recently, uh, we had Birmingham. Uh, we had Bristol City um, last season, which was also 0-0. So your last two episodes have been followed by a nil-nil. And because I don't think we're going to keep a clean sheet in this one, I, I could see a two-one win. Hopefully, it would be nice.
1: Yeah, I uh, I hope so. And I think I, I think Oscar will will be on form. I think will drive a just. It's an important next two games for us. I don't know. We're not previewing Blackpool. But Blackpool are right above us. They're a point ahead. Uh, a win against Birmingham re- uh, really takes us into good stead to that Blackpool game.
0: Yeah, and, I, and I, I said to Dan last week that my line was probably two points out of Wigan and Huddersfield. Like if we got two draws, I'd be okay with that. A win would be great. Anything less than two points would be disastrous. Yeah. And we got the three points, so that was that was great. Um, I'd probably say similarly, I know, as you say, we're not previewing the Blackpool game, but similarly over the next two, I'd probably... Put the line at two or three points again. I think it's probably three points. I think if we can get three points, that's that's a good start. It's a good recovery. Anything less, we're starting to just bleed too many points. And you know, no one's saying it yet, but we are kind of creeping towards a relegation battle if we're not careful. I mean, I think the funny thing is that when you sort of say who at the moment is looking most likely to go down, and granted, it's still very early in the season. But you look at the sides around us, it's like West Brom and Middlesbrough and sides like that who you sort of automatically think, well, they're not going to finish down there. Yeah. But the sides that are sort of assumed to go down, like Reading and Birmingham themselves, are actually performing reasonably well. So, um, yeah, it's a tricky look, one. Mean, and
1: It is still early on. Like, if we're looking yeah. at points, we're three points above relegation, but we're also three points from 12th. So, I mean, yeah. gold might, like disregarding goal difference it's still very close and a few good results builds that confidence. It gets us going. uh, And the day we keep a clean sheet will be really good for us as well.
0: Yeah. I think, I think back to back wins is the important thing because you look at that weekend result and you think, okay, that's like a good step in the right direction. But then we follow that up with a loss to Huddersfield who are below us. And it just sort of undoes all the good work to an extent. Yeah. so, I really think, yeah, a win against, a win against Birmingham is really vital. And um, I, I worry about what will happen, not what will happen, but I worry if we lose the Birmingham game, where that puts us, uh, what it does to. I mean, the fan base is starting to get a bit uneasy about the Martins U turn, the, the manner of results, the way Shotter was sacked. You don't want things to get ugly in the stadium. Um, And with all of the positive stuff that Arjun's doing, you don't want him to be put offside by the supporters. But it does feel like there's a bit of uneasiness starting to creep in.
1: Which goes away with a a result. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh,
0: yeah, so hopefully we can get the win in this one. Um, But we'll be back next week to cover that result and look ahead to our next fixtures. Um, But until then, thanks for joining me, Mike. No worries. And thanks, everyone, for listening in. Until next time. Come on, City. You've been listening to the official Hull City Australia podcast, The Tigers Down Under. For more discussion, join us on Facebook at the Hull City AFC Australia Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at Hull City AFC Hots. The music was created by Amber Black. Yeah, the city's on fire. We're going higher and higher. There's no turning back, cause you're out.